Hey everyone, welcome to MCU Fan Show, episode 271. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman for our spoiler review of the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, written and directed by James Gunn. The Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is a Kevin Feige production, and it is also a James Gunn special. Before our spoiler review begins, want to let you know once again about Fan Show Plus. That is where you can hear us talking about extra MCU topics like What's going on with Namor, Namor? Can Marvel make a Namor solo movie coming out of Black Panther Wakanda Forever? Sounds like they can't, uh, so we'll talk about that on an upcoming episode of Fan Show Plus. We're also going to talk about something that I'm sure Disney is very thankful for. They have a new CEO, which is actually an old CEO in Bob Iger. What does that mean for Disney? And more importantly, for us anyway, what does it mean for Marvel Studios? That will be discussed on Fan Show Plus, which you can find by going to patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. If you search for Fan Show Plus or the MCU Fan Show channel, you can find it there and subscribe so you can hear those episodes. Also, make sure you are following us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Twitter and Instagram. And if you're enjoying the show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review from you over on Apple Podcasts. And now on with our show. How you doing, Paul Herman? Happy Thanksgiving, Man, I, Paul Herman. Yeah, yes, Happy Thanksgiving to you too. We we talked for it before. We didn't even ask. We didn't say Happy Thanksgiving and all that stuff to each other. No, oh, we save all the pleasantries for on air because yeah. it's uh, you know everything else is. Although it wasn't this time, it's usually our non-existent, never to be heard football podcast. Uh, yeah, we, we bypassed that, but we were talking about. We started out talking about holidays and and this weekend, and I know that you and I both had a similar type of day today, which is very much on brand for an episode where we're going to be talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. It was Christmas decorating day in the Gerber household, also in the Herman household. So how did that mm -hmm. go? That was great, man. It was, uh, you know, all day we, we basically went, got a huge breakfast, then went out and got extra, you know, ornament decoration stuff that we needed. Went home, took a nap. I read From Hell, which is a good, you know, combination of Christmas, by the way. If you know that graphic novel, you, you go, wow. Um, and then uh, did that. And then when I uh, went and took back to Target, got more stuff, uh, came back, uh, watched Muppet Christmas Carol, made uh, gingerbread cookie uh, houses, I should say. And my house was completely uh, non-existent. I could not do it. I'm terrible at that stuff. And then, uh, yeah, decorated a tree and... It's uh, it was crazy, man. It's basically sat down and talked to you. It's been my whole day. It's literally been my whole day. So <laughs> it's been running around like crazy. Yeah, my day was somewhat similar. It was big on uh, on Christmas decorating, and really for me, it's all about the Christmas tree. And so that's where I already had an MCU holiday tradition that started nine years ago. Though this is the tenth year that I actually get to do it. So in my house, every year as we decorate the Christmas tree, we watch the lone Christmas movie in the MCU, although now there are other Christmas-type things, as we'll talk about, but Iron Man 3, the underrated MCU classic that is Iron Man 3, and I don't say that with an ounce of irony. I love that movie, and I have uh, defended it vehemently over the years, yes. but I yeah. am. Uh, it, it's always fun to watch that movie because the same thing sort of starts to happen where 
We decorate the tree, and then you find yourself just not getting a whole lot done as you're watching the movie, especially when you get to the attack on Tony's Malibu mansion, when you get to the barrel of monkeys scene, when you get, oh, and obviously the Trevor Slattery reveal is something that, that is appointment viewing. I have to get to, well, I panicked, but then I handled it with the beer opening uh, for Trevor. That's always amazing. And then not to recap the entire movie, but hey, that action finale with all of the Iron Man suits, that is still fantastic and one of my all-time favorite action sequences in the MCU. So that's a big part of it. And Christmas tree decorating has, uh, there's a lot of Marvel that's involved. I have a rapidly increasing number of Marvel ornaments. I mean, I already had a lot and got even more this year. And I'll be doing a little tree tour on Instagram because why not be basic? It can be fun. So I will show some of what I've got going on on the tree, just follow at MCU Fan Show on Instagram if that's something you even care about, which you probably don't. But I am very happy to have the MCU at least having more content to be part of my holiday traditions for the MCU, like Iron Man 3 for decorating the tree. I will definitely, between now and Christmas, be rewatching every episode of the Hawkeye Disney Plus series and something else that I'll be watching uh, quite a bit over and over again is the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, because, Paul, I loved this holiday special. Obviously, like many of us, I am a big, big, big fan of what James Gunn has done with the Guardians of the Galaxy in the MCU, both Volume 1 and Volume 2. I'm a huge fan of that film. Paul, not so much, but I'm a big fan of both installments of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and a huge part of what made Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 so much fun for me and so moving and uh, exciting for me was Palm Clementi, uh, Palm Clementi as Mantis. And of course, she, along with Drax, uh, as played by Dave Bautista, were the featured players in this Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. And they were just outstanding, both of them, but especially Palm. They were just fantastic in this and, and carried this, but it wasn't all them. Everybody really brought something to this, whether it was Chris Pratt, Sean Gunn, Kevin Bacon. Uh, everybody really brought it in this holiday special, including, of course, writer and director James Gunn. I was just so full of joy watching this holiday special. Paul, as you and I were talking about uh, moments ago before we hit record, we've had two Marvel Studios special presentations now just in the span of a handful of weeks or a little more than that with Werewolf by Night and now the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. We loved Werewolf by Night. I love this Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special just as much, perhaps in different ways for many different reasons, but both of them did almost a perfect, near perfect, practically perfect job of doing exactly what I hoped they would do in very unexpected and fun ways. And so just as I came out of Werewolf by Night with a having had a spooky good time, that holiday joy is what I was filled with watching Guardians of the Galaxy, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Um, this one was just great. Yeah. The, the special presentations, I think, are just they have been on the money, super good, and I I want more of them. I I just I feel they're just they're so much more cohesive, and maybe because they're shorter and they they it's cram definitely because they're shorter. <laughs> a well, big part I mean, of it. But, but yeah, but I but I think that really to me it just lends it a little bit better. Not in all cases, but just for me, for me personally as a preference, I I I I prefer this to having like long you know long episodes for certain things. I just think obviously sure. for these things are they're, they're perfect. I think 
Werewolf by Night could be like a, a mini series where it could be like maybe three, four episodes. You could extend it out a little bit, but I also like the idea of just having a really shortened wham bam, you know, story and then going from there. And I think this is no different. I, you know, like like Sean said, I'm not a huge fan of volume two. I've tried really hard to like that movie. I just have a lot of issues with it. And I'm not gonna get into those here. But I love James Gunn. I've I've been a big fan of James Gunn's work outside of the MCU outside of DCU. Um, and, and, and this is also saying that I think the suicide squad is a fantastic, phenomenal film. I love that movie to death. And it's, there's amazing. a lot of love for that movie in this holiday special too. Y- yes. Oh, we'll, we'll get into that here. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, a number of things, uh, probably things I don't even recognize. But the other thing I would say is that this, this to me, felt like James Gunn coming back and not to his roots necessarily, but just felt, it just felt more in line with the humor that I liked um, as from the first film that he did with the guardians of the galaxy. It just felt more in line with that aesthetic less than I think the volume two did. And I'm not sure why I could just be my preference maybe, but Mantis I felt and Drax had such a great chemistry together um, that we, we kind of, we kind of obviously was in volume two, but they really kind of escalated a little bit more. I thought in, um, in bits and pieces in infinity war. And then now with here, we've got them totally teaming up and they were fantastic to see two like fish out of water beings just kind of do their thing was, was really great and, and everything. And, and I, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to get into with this, but yeah, I, I thought this was a, it was really heartfelt, which, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't really anticipating even being spoiled. I mean, it was like, oh, great. Thanks, guys. Um, you know, but there's there's lots of great stuff in this. Um, and I, I definitely it's it's it, it really flows really well. The pacing is perfect, uh, you know, and, and things that are too short can sometimes be too condensed. I never got the feeling of this. I thought it was it was paced perfectly. So, yeah, this is a two. There are two for two for special presentations so far. Yeah, these have been really really great. And this one, it was a lot of what was best about James Gunn and, and what he's done with the Guardians of the Galaxy in two previous movies, and obviously what he was doing consulting with the Guardians for Infinity War and Endgame. And that there is a lot of irreverent, wild, twisted humor that's just completely fun and hilarious. But also, as you said, heartfelt is the key thing. And that's what's been so moving for me, at least. And I know for many, many more people for Guardians of the Galaxy in both of the the both of the previous volumes uh, for full-length features. But I, I remember it doesn't really surprise me anymore when it happens, because I, I think the surprise really came from the very first film, because we went into that, and I I went into that, the first viewing of that, thinking that it had the potential to be more than just wildly funny and entertaining, and it was those things, but going back to the very first scene of that first movie, and everything that just was part of that story as it went on, and being so pleasantly surprised at just how much James Gunn really leaned into that and was able to deliver that emotional authenticity that just made things connect because the laughs are great, but when the laughs are coupled with you having a genuinely emotionally moving experience, as I've had with Guardians of the Galaxy Volumes 1 and 2 and this holiday special, everything feels better. The laughs feel better. Whatever sadness is there, not too much sadness in this one, But the really sweet emotional moments, of course, as we get to the very end of this holiday special, 
all of those things just land and the impact is that much greater. And it's just that that whole is greater than the sum of its parts sort of thing. And that's what we get with this Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. And I, I love that it had an animated opening. I, this is undoubtedly James Gunn's homage to classic holiday specials. Sure, probably Star Wars holiday special, but I think it goes beyond that just in the tone of what they were doing here with uh, with Peter trying to teach Kraglin and Yondu about Christmas. Yondu doesn't seem to take to it, although spoiler alert, we find out later he was moved a lot much more moved by it than he let on, um, which I knew had to be coming because we know and we learned a lot more about who Yondu really was deep down in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. But just this little animated piece is there as Kraglin is trying to recap for everybody else what Christmas is and what it's meant to Peter and how it might be able to cheer him up uh, because he's very sad right now. Can't find Gamora, all of those things. And obviously there's another big part of this for why Mantis wants to have Peter have a, a great Christmas, which we will get into. Maybe that's the thing that got spoiled for you, Paul. I don't know. Uh, but that piece actually, nothing really got spoiled for me on this holiday special. But before we get into the old 97s and, and the opening tune, uh, this animated, uh, I don't know, prologue or, or whatever, I, I was really into. I, it threw me off for a second when I saw the ship and I'm like, wait, it's a cartoon. And I was like, oh, yeah, duh. Uh, and then I really, uh, once I settled in with it, I was really glad that James Gunn took that approach to, uh, to get it started. And also, hey, uh, saved a few bucks on some CG, although they spent a lot of bucks on the CG as well in this. So I don't really think this was a money saving thing. I think they wanted that medium of animation to to match that whole idea of the classic holiday special. Man, I I, I got to tell you, I, I was very cautious walking into this. A lot of people were saying it was great. You know, volume two, not my favorite. And it won me over immediately with this with this opening. And I, just like you, Sean, as as me and Chris were watching this last night uh, and the ship's coming in, I go, wait that looks like animation What mm -hmm. the, and then I went, Oh, it, Oh, Oh, this is because the way it's, this is like the, the actual holiday special from start. Oh my God. Beautiful. I'm like, All right. Won me over immediately. Yeah. Um, I, I, that was a genius take. And those who don't know, Boba Fett was first introduced in the holiday special animated feature. Um, of when the whole, this is, I think loosely like kind of like in, in light, not in light of, but inspired by somewhat, as far as like the whole idea of the holiday special. Um, and I, I thought that was a nice touch to be honest. Cause it felt, I mean that the animation back in the day was rough and it, but it still emulated that the kind of the motion they had. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that cartoon a lot. Um, and it, so, yeah, I, I thought was, that was a great thing. And like you said, it sets up cause I didn't even think about it, you know? And when it happened, it just, it was just nice to see Yondu kind of be Yondu, mm -hmm. you know, like you know, old school Yondu and be like, get the crap out of here. Ah! Yeah. I was like, I was like, yeah, this is, I mean, it was great. I didn't even think about it coming back. And I, but I thought it was more of a, a cute homage to, you know, just kind of set up why we need to have Peter, you know, you know, help out Peter. And I thought it was a great, you know, homage. I, I we'll get to the ending you know, with that and later, but man, I, that was, that was a nice surprise um, to see that, and that I gotta say, helped win me over immediately. Yeah, this was this is great. Yeah, I, I think anytime you can give that classic feel, and, and I think that's what 
sometimes that can backfire because the audience is very aware, oh, that's what you're doing, boo. Um, but when you do it in a way that actually does come across as as genuine and, and a bit of that homage and tribute, yeah, James Gunn just knows how to strike, how, how to find that balance. And, and this was certainly no different with how they went through it. So the idea is got to cheer up uh, Peter Quill, but it's not just Mantis or Drax or Craglin that are getting into the Christmas spirit. We do get a few, uh, we do get a big status quo update, a couple big ones in this. But before we get into Mantis and Peter Quill, the Guardians of the Galaxy have now bought Nowhere from the Collector. So that's an interesting development. It'll be interesting to see how they expand on that in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We do see them working on Nowhere. So maybe that's the idea here is we'll see a very different looking Nowhere in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 with more time having passed with the Guardians putting their own stamp on it, as opposed to just having taken it over from the collector. And obviously, there's a bit of, a bit of damage done there in Avengers Infinity War. So a lot of repairs to make, but also, as I said, the Guardians putting their own stamp on it. But as everyone is learning about Christmas, we see that not everybody has learned all the right stuff about Christmas as we meet uh, Beezer Mikatakalak, uh, and of course the rest of the old 97s who are there on Nowhere to uh, to play this opening tune about not knowing what Christmas not knowing what Christmas is but Christmas time is here i love this song james gunn co-wrote the song which i think is awesome and i love that james gunn i just i mean the lyrics on this are absolutely hilarious and and Rhett miller from you know frontman of the old 97s also co-wrote the song with james gunn is there performing here and uh, also, pretty good actor, I, I gotta say. Uh, for in, in this is the type of cameo that could sort of not always work out. I mean, the the song portion of it was gonna be a cinch, but as far as everything else, when he actually gets the other stuff at the end, like have you ever seen a reaction like that as the crowd just gently walks <laughs> quietly walks away? I had an absolute blast with it. I love the song, and I I will not just be hearing this song whilst watching the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. I'm going to be bumping this one for my, this is now in my holiday music rotation. Man, I got to tell you, when I was going to watch this, now listen, like I want people to know, like music's always been my thing. I've, I've been in bands for many, many years, not anymore because I'm too old, but you know, I've, I've listened and pursued music for a long, long time. And every time you know, when James Gunn drops these needle drops, I'm always like, okay, I get it, James Gunn. I, I think me and James could talk, talk about music for a long time. Um, and it was really funny because when he started, when they started playing, I'm like, okay, it's fine. And then when, you know, they, they say that this is the old 97s, I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, what? And I was like, wow. It brought me back because, you know, I hadn't thought about them in a long time. And I used to listen to them. I actually, to be to kind of go off for a brief small tangent, the Rhett Miller solo albums are actually pretty good too. They're very more pop centric and less alt country, um, I, which I'm a, I'm a pop guy. So I had the, his first record, especially his solo record is really good. Um, I thought, which also, I don't know if you knew this either, Sean, John Brearley was also a big old 97s fan. I did not um, know that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, it's sad because we didn't, we never talked about like that music in general, but them especially, but they have they have all um, an album like uh, oh my gosh I'm so terrible names but it has a the first song's time bomb on it something glare glaze I don't know um, I got that album years and years ago 
and I, I was blasting that today. I'm like, man, I haven't listened to this in a long time. So it was cool to kind of see. There's a couple of other needle drops we'll talk about, which I'll, I laughed about. I'm like, oh, no, me and you, me and you, James. We could talk about music for a long time. Um, well, yeah, Old 97s is cool. Yeah, speaking really of like status quo and MCU canon, Fairy Tale of New York actually has to now be part of Awesome Mix Volume 1 because mm. they're listening to it on the ship when and it's not just background music because at the end when we see Yandu and Peter Quill he turns the volume up on it so they were listening to it on the ship which means that Fairy Tale of New York is actually also there on the awesome mix that Peter cuz at the time that's the only tape he would have had so mm. that song would have had to uh would have had to have been on there and really quickly the, Although, to and add it about- was uh and I, it was released in 1988 the year that Peter was taken Mm. Um, and about nowhere, that kind of was, that's why I love this stuff. That's why I love connected universes. Cause when he said that, um, or whatever, when whoever said that by nowhere, I kind of was, I looked at Chris and, and said, wait, that, did that happen in volume two? I, I'm like, wait, did I forget something? I'm like, he's like no, no, that didn't happen. I was like, wait, oh crap. I mean, that's a, that's a big, it is. That's a big plot point. Cause it, cause, cause the collector has now been pushed out. And that means you have all the things that was in his collection are now free, I'm assuming, because Cosmo's there. Yeah, well, and Cosmo took up when the oh, collector's right. collection yeah. exploded in volume that's one. That's right. Cosmo right. Right. Okay, was free, that. but not everything was. Like, we still saw the collection was there in Avengers Infinity War. So, um, maybe and who knows, maybe though? maybe Cosmo had been imprisoned again. We don't actually know for sure. But, yeah, but either way, I mean, the, it definitely kind of signals that Del Toro probably isn't coming back as a collector anytime soon. I'd imagine. Mm, I, you know what? I'm not betting against cameos. I'm not, and you know, we That's might, fair. we could get the flashback to the transaction for all I know. Ooh, so, ooh, which I, I like where your I, head's at, which I kind of do want. So, like, I, I kind of want to see that negotiation, frankly. So, I, I hope that's a part of it. Although, I don't know. But yeah, when I think it was Nebula who actually says that when they purchased Nowhere from the collector, I was like, oh, well, wait a minute, but. Then we like peel back the curtain and you look at the cynical reasons for it. Well, yeah, of course. The whole part of what made this a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special make financial sense for Disney Plus, especially now that uh, everybody cares a lot more about profitability and streaming than they used to. But I mean, all we should have cared in, in that sense as a business. But they're using the the whole idea was them filming it while they were making Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. So they didn't build this set. For this holiday special, they, I mean, I may be wrong, maybe James Gunn will correct me on social media, but they would have already been wanting to build this for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be dressed the same way, decorated the same way. I mean, if they keep some of the Christmas lights, great, because I think they look fantastic, but I think the, the whole idea here is we're even told as much that the Guardians of the Galaxy are making repairs and doing their own thing now that Nowhere is their base of operations. They own it. Um, and so that plus Mantis and Peter Quill, also the new ship because, you know, the Benatar is gone. So now the Bowie is the name of the current ship for the Guardians of the Galaxy, or at least one of the ships. Maybe they got a whole fleet there uh, now that they're based out of uh, based out of nowhere. But I like that sort of it's just kind of a sneaky status quo update that it's actually a lot bigger than, or I think anyway, it's a lot bigger than Absolutely. the way it's presented in it. And I certainly fanned out about that particular moment. I also fanned out over Cosmo because 
Cosmo in the first Guardians Hell of the Galaxy yeah. was just a dog in a spacesuit. But as far as the psychic talking abilities of Cosmo, that's actually here. So as voiced by Maria Bakalova, we finally get to hear Cosmo. And that was a, a huge part. Cosmo was just a fixture in the Albert and Landmine, Abnet and Lanning, Guardians of the Galaxy run. Thank you. And that was something that, and that was the the run that brought together most of the roster that we've enjoyed in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies in the MCU. Cosmo was a big part of that, not so much in the MCU. We already knew that Cosmo was going to take on this larger role in Volume 3 and also in a bit in this holiday special. And it's just nice. And I, I love that Cosmo is smart enough to have a conversation, but is also still a dog and still wants the treats that are in the delicious treats that are in the bag that Rocket has. And the interaction between Rocket and Cosmo was a lot of fun. And I anticipate and hope for more of that in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. But uh, I was a big fan of Cosmo in those comic books. One of the missed opportunities, not that there's really space to do more for Cosmo in the first two Guardians movies, but now there is, and I'm, I'm happy to see it. Man, I as someone who loves the original Albert and Landmine comics, Sean, and, and that's why I, I do love those comics to, to death. I love the rivalry between Cosmo and Rocket, mm -hmm. and and it was cool because I'm if you I, I'm pretty sure if you listen back to our original back in the day review of that, I think I even mentioned when there's that that small cameo of Rocket walking by Cosmo and they're yep. growling at each other, and that was like an homage to that because that's exactly. They they just have this like not hatred but this again a rivalry yeah that they hint at and that they're they've definitely dulled the edge on that relationship by now but I, sure. I I think the reason for that is simply because Rocket is in a much different place emotionally yeah. than he was because yeah. of, of course what he went through in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two you go through his whole emotional arc in that movie which is part of what makes it so good um, is that's where you have this you know there, there's a bit of uh, you know, there's a bit of banter back and forth there but. Not with the uh, not with the growling that we saw in the first one, but yeah, Cosmo was awesome. It was awesome, um, great to see her. Get to see her. I did like seeing the, the return of Zargnuts as a reference here, as Mantis and and Drax are talking about what to do for Peter Quill for Christmas, and Drax being completely hung up on Zargnuts is what uh, Invisible Drax was eating, by the way, or so we think. We couldn't actually see him, but uh, in Infinity War, but. I loved his fixation on that and Mantis just flipping out, like, just get over the damn Zargnuts. Um, and also we get the other big status quo revelation here, which didn't totally shock me because it was already something I kind of suspected from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Not to say, you know, I I don't have some big receipt to say this is what I definitely thought was was the case, but... Mantis reveals that part of the reason why she knows Peter is sad about Gamora... But also, she's concerned about delivering a piece of news to Peter Quill that she is his sister, that Ego was also her biological father, which makes them half-siblings, or just siblings. And so she's nervous that because of, of course, Peter's association with the idea that Ego is the one who killed his mother, that maybe that's all Peter would be able to see when looking at Mantis when he learns that she is uh, his sister. So... The idea here is to go and get the best Christmas present they can think of in order to make Peter as receptive as possible to this news. Now, I didn't doubt for a second that Peter was going to respond positively to the news, but I also understand Mantis's concern, and I think it's very sweet. Um, 
So I, I can't say I was totally floored by this revelation. I was like, well, that kind of checks out. She was with Ego for a long time. And while she didn't actually say that that was her biological father, I, mean, I think she referred to him as her master and stuff like that. So it certainly wasn't spelled out in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. But when it's mentioned here, it just kind of clicks into place pretty easily. But I also really liked it because because it wasn't part of, officially anyway, the canon for it, recontextualizing that relationship between Mantis and Peter. I like it on multiple levels. I mean, it, it gives an emotional core to this holiday special, but I also think it enriches these characters, Mantis and Peter Quill, for moments that we get in this holiday special, but undoubtedly moments that we will get in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, especially for Peter Quill, who at this point doesn't have a lot of family left, although all of the Guardians are his family, really, but there's a different type of connection there that I think Peter Quill is missing that he's so happy to feel again when he realizes or is told that Mantis is his sister at the end of this, but I, I liked this move by James Gunn. I mean, this is definitely not a comic book thing. This is a, a departure and, and all of that, but I don't care about those types of things. Like if it makes yeah. sense within the story and it elevates the characters, as I believe this is an example of and elevates the overall story, as I also believe this is an example of, I'm totally on board. Yeah, this was really cool because I liked Mantis's character and, and the Mantis in the comics. I, I've read, you know, besides I think the Albert and Landmine series, which I love saying their names, by the way, I'll never say the right ones. Sorry. Uh, for the um, record, it's Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. Just so we, we know you, the names, everyone. Yeah. It's just uh, and a lot of people. We have so many new listeners over the past few years who don't understand the reference of the original. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I honestly can't even go back and think about the original moment. But yes, as we were talking about Dan Abnett and <laughs> Andy Lanning being the writers and artists, behind, the creative team behind the Guardians of the Galaxy run. That's so that has been the biggest influence of any comic book run on the Guardians of the Galaxy in the MCU. Paul famously flubbed the names and Albert and Landmine and a legend was born. <laughs> you know, if, if, if anyone who's listened, listened to the show is shocked that I have got names wrong. So um, so anyway. Um, you know, I have read. Yeah, I, I guess I probably should have asked that if people were driving that they pull over safely before <laughs> I, I, I revealed that Paul sometimes gets names incorrect. Yeah, yeah. Who would have thunk? Um, no, I, I think with with this, for me, I'm I don't mind when I I love things. I think things need to stay comic accurate to a point. As far as source material, the the reason these characters are good or or have lasted as long as they have, et cetera, et cetera, because. The writers and the artists have, and, and the inkers and the colorists have put so much work in these characters for so many years. The essence is there. People know them and are familiar with them and they like them for a reason because they're good, right? Or for whatever, you know, because all their hard work is paid off. You know, it's 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 there. You don't need to tweak too much. These things are, are like Mantis is not someone I think is, is going to demand a lot of, you know, you can't believe we did this or even to be honest, Star-Lord because Star-Lord was very much a non-existent character for the most part, before he even joined the, the um, you know, that Guardians of the Galaxy series we're talking about. So the thing with me is that I don't care if they change things as long as it's it's done within reason and it makes sense to the story. And it's not just a, a departure just because they want to do it because they I want to have my own spin on this character. It has to make sense story wise. And I think for the most part, the MCU has been done a brilliant job of that. I think James Gunn has done a, a phenomenal job. Of a lot of that. I think even though I'm not a huge fan of volume two, I like the ego idea that he did. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it, that's never the issue. It's all about execution. But but yeah, I, I, 
I liked, I actually really liked this idea. And that was what I was spoiled on. I kept seeing it. And I, for some reason, I almost, like you said, Sean, you kind of not surprised either. Cause it makes sense. Cause he, and he shows up like Mantis is there. So it's right. like, he just get grabbed Mantis. Like, you're my, I'm your, you're my slave now. Rah! You know, like out of nowhere, like, no, like, it makes sense. Cause that's what you've, you've already set that up in the movie where he's like impregnating as many things as it can. To, right. Like, you know, repli- you know, whatever. So it all makes sense. Um, but the one thing that I would say that I was revealed to me as far as just and not revealed, but just kind of was, and again, a nice way of kind of going, yeah, this is great. is seeing like Mantis have more to do and have like kind of Absolutely. have more expressions. And that was really nice because I love the com- the comedic, like kind of timid, like I like that personality of her. I, I think it's really interesting and, and funny and, and you play off whatever. And I like, I like the sweet side of that. But to see her actually have some range as far as the, the actress, but the character itself mm-hmm. was awesome. And it, this is to me the biggest revel- revelation of the whole show or the whatever the, the yeah, the show um, is that Mantis is a can have emotions and like actually, ha- you know, has is funny, can be angry, can be sad. And I really connected to the character. And I, I mean, want to see the more fact that, that she got an, three. Yeah, just the fact that she got annoyed and pissed off at Drax for exactly. a second was that was already showing that, kind of, that we were going to yeah. get more of this character than we had in the past. I mean, look, I think that Mantis is the secret, or in my view, not so secret weapon of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. One of my favorite scenes in that movie. We talk about the connection between Mantis and Drax. Is Drax doesn't really externally he doesn't display all of that emotion and and all of that pain we hear him reference these painful events in his life but we see it in the form of anger but we don't always see it in the sadness but mantis being an empath that scene where she just touches drax's shoulder and instantly she just starts crying because she absorbs all of this pain and all of this grief and everything that drax has is feeling and has been through and all that he carries with him all the time i thought always thought that scene was just i mean beautifully acted by palm and by dave I thought, and I I love that sequence. And there were so many funny moments, you know, wanting to pet Rocket in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. There were a lot of great moments with Mantis in that movie. And then, you know, not quite as much in Infinity War or Endgame, but still, as James Gunn has even said, part of what he's been grateful for with this special is having the opportunity to bring Mantis more into the center of the story leading into, of course, volume three, whereas she's been more on on the side and kind of in in the background with what she's done so far. And I think Palm uh, Clementiev has done just an outstanding job of making the most of every opportunity that she has had on screen in her time in the MCU. But now that she really gets to shine in this special, this special is the better for it. The Guardians of the Galaxy as a franchise is the better for it. The MCU as the broader franchise is the better for it because Palm Clementif is amazing and she shows that uh, in her performance throughout so many moments here. And even the stuff like where I just, I liked Mantis kind of progressing as a character because I think Mantis was so naive in a lot of the ways that she interacted with the Guardians and Avengers and and other characters. Like another key moment, we talk about their journey to Earth when people, she notices everybody is scared on the ground. Drax, did you remember to put the cloaking device on? And then he flips the switch. It's like, I literally just saw you flip the switch. That's already not something that Mantis calls Drax out for in Volume 2 or Infinity War or Endgame. Like she is changing, she's evolving. And I think that's part of, 
that's this story giving more focus to the character, but that's also, I think, the character growing within her own relationship with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And so we we see that progress uh, and we get to track it and then ultimately enjoy it because it just makes for uh, a much uh, a much more interesting story and an even more engaging version of this character with Mantis. And so now they are trying to find Kevin Bacon. Uh, is he the ruler of Earth or just most people or whatever it is? Who knows? Got to go find him. Uh, they make their way down. They land above the Hollywood sign. They make their way down to Hollywood Boulevard. And it's always just fun to see the TCL Chinese Theater in the MCU. Last scene in the first ever, I don't know if it was last scene, but first scene in the MCU in the first ever, maybe it wasn't the first time, but first time it was genuinely featured was that other MCU Christmas story, Iron Man 3, as I watched earlier today. So uh, I got to watch the, the Chinese Theater multiple times today. And um, I don't know, it's just so fun to see them posing for pictures there and the whole bit of like, using what really happens there of people suiting up in costumes. Mantis thinks it's really Steve. So that whole naive, gullible side of Mantis, it's still there. It's not all that's there anymore, but it's still there uh, when she chases down Steve. Then they start posing for pictures. There's a GoBot or basically a Transformer that Drax has to beat up because he oh lost like a cousin or brother or somebody to one oh of those GoBots. That was amazing. Posing for pictures with Captain Marvel, posing for pictures with fans and then getting tips and they're making some money. All of that was just a blast. And I wasn't sure what they were going to do with that. When I saw in the trailer Drax and Mantis walking down Hollywood Boulevard, um, it did not, I obviously knew they were going to be there, but it didn't fully prepare me for uh, just how much fun that would be. And, and especially that bit of just allowing the art to imitate life of uh, the MCU heroes that if you were to go take a trip outside the Chinese theater, uh, Madame Tussauds as well on Hollywood Boulevard, yeah, you're going to see some of those cosplayers. Man. <clears throat> This was like whatever that GoBot thing. Chris will tell I mean, you, I lost it. I mean, yeah, Drax just I lost it. Just pounding that dude's head uh, in the background. Well, well, no, because because first of all, like I see GoBot, he's like, I'm gonna kill him. It's just a GoBot killed his cousin. You're yeah. establishing that GoBots exist in the MCU. That's true. All, which is incredible. I mean, I'm like, are you effing kidding me? Like, I I, I just I and then when he's pounding, his, I just. I'm like, this is the most amazing thing because GoBots are such a deep cut. Like, if you know GoBots, yeah, like you, you're a G. You know, that's all I gotta say. And like, I, I listen. I have always been a Transformers guy, but the GoBots have always been a soft spot in my heart. And so the fact that James Gunn puts that out of his butt and then puts it out there and basically kind of like wink, wink, like makes it a part of the MCU, whatever, whatever that's worth. Is incredible. So, and then the whole resolution of it, it's incredible too. I mean, a GoBot killed his cousin. Oh my God. Yeah. I lost it. That it was, was amazing. <laughs> it was awesome. And then uh, they make their way to, uh, as night falls in Hollywood, they make their way to Yarvos. And the name of this establishment is a nod to David Yarovesky, who is a friend of James Gunn's, but also uh, he directed Brightburn, which James Gunn produced. Um, but also, uh, David Yarovesky is a Guardians director. He directed the Guardians of the Galaxy Inferno music video, which, of course, you know, the David <laughs> David Hasselhoff tune mm. from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So we get an homage there, and we also get a cameo from Flula Borg, who played Javelin in James Gunn's The Suicide yeah. Squad. So there he is serving up shots. Mantis' reaction to her shot was priceless. I love how, like, when she first gets it, she, like, dips her tongue in to taste it, and then she takes the whole shot. 
And then just whatever steam was coming out was, was amazing. Was incredible. I was dying. Of yeah, that too. that was great. And then her dancing and everything. Drax, of course, famously does not dance and he's not going to break character here. All of that. This whole spot at, at Yarvo's. I was just like there. This needs to be a thing in the same way that Avenger Con needs to be a thing. Just please do a pop up Yarvo's holiday Christmas party, whatever in Hollywood. Please make that a thing because uh, that just seems like so much fun. Um, and if Flula Board can bartend, even better. But uh, I loved, uh, I I love the inclusion of that because you know there were Palm actually has a cameo, of course, in the Suicide Squad. So the fact that uh, Palm gets a cameo there. And then Flula returns the favor as a cameo from the Suicide Squad in something from Guardians. Uh, I thought was just that was just so much fun. And this whole sequence was great. I mean, this whole special was great, but this scene in particular. Well, and the other thing I would say, too, is, again, like, you know, he I love how James is putting all this. Obviously, some of his favorite Christmas music in because you got, you know, the waitresses, you know, Christmas rapping, which is one of my favorite uh, Christmas songs of all time. Like that is. I love, love that track. Um, so yeah, that's, that's an all timer to me. That's like one of the top five Christmas songs of all time. And so when that came out, I'm like, okay, all right. Yep. We're good. And, and yeah, that whole scene was great. Drac, it, it felt Batista for some reason, the way Drax was written, because volume two of Drax seemed way over the top to me. And it's been he a while was. since seeing it. Yeah. And it, it, I didn't like that. I, that was hard for me to get used to. It felt so much more in line with volume one. Infinity yep. War and this was just having but having actual authentic James Gunn write it direct it just felt so good yeah it just it, there's so, there's a couple moments later on which I, I I you could tell that James and him have a good com- they're comfortable with each other because there's some deliveries in this that I just die and yeah. I think that they just they felt more in line with what, what I liked before I think and, there's and, a and the scene included. yeah I think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is someone who really loves that movie. Even I would say one of the flaws that I don't love so much about that movie is especially in the first act, it's as it relates to Drax, it's basically just him laughing very, very loudly at everything. And then the movie, as the movie goes on, though, it gets a lot better. And there are great scenes like the one I referenced earlier. There's also a misguided thing of, you know, pretending to throw up at the idea of hooking up with Mantis that was eh, just dumb. And also people pretending to throw up a lot of times is never as funny as anybody intends it to be. Um, But that's my own issue. Uh, I I thought uh, Drax was, but overall, I still thought Drax was pretty good in volume two, but certainly with Infinity War and, uh, you know, Endgame, although he's not really in a lot of the movie. And then with this, this definitely feels more of that return to form because Drax was a huge surprise in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. I mean, that was the one piece of casting that everybody was like, well, you know, professional wrestlers, when they act in movies or TV shows, it can be hit or miss. And so people weren't so sure if it would be hit or miss with Dave Bautista. Although I I think as trailers were coming out, then it became pretty clear that he was going to do a good job, but then went above and beyond that with his performance. and, And he was great. Uh, in this and and yeah this whole sequence was great and I, i'm glad you called out the music some more like there's some stuff that i i loved like they use uh julian casablanca's rendition of christmas treat which is yes. you know, famously the jimmy fallon uh horatio sands they wrote the song and it's just one of my favorite christmas bits on snl ever um which you more famously would hear more of the chorus of i wish it was christmas today i just i, I love it and that's you know, Tracy Morgan being a part of that sketch as well. And it's just, it is really, really funny. 
And I, I loved hearing that uh, be uh, be a piece of this as well in uh, in this holiday special. So they strike out at Yarvo's. I mean, they have a great time, but they don't make any progress in finding Kevin Bacon. And hey, it could take a long time because as Mantis says, there must be tens of thousands of people on Earth. And then uh, somebody comes up ready to sell a star map. And I I mean, I, I don't know. I, it's not the greatest insight to just keep calling out things that were really funny. But it was really, really funny when she's like, oh, I can't find any of my money. It takes the map out of her hand. Give it to me for free. And then when that works, give me all your money. <laughs> like, oh, man, I was just cracking up. And then the graphic with the star map. That, oh, that was amazing. Talking about Suicide Squad references, Margot Robbie and John Cena are on that star map. So is Chris Pratt's father-in-law, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think Queen Latifah's on there. Mark Paul Gossler, a.k.a. Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. Uh, is also on that star map. I think I spotted. So Mantis I just yelling at Drax was incredible. Yeah, I mean, oh, it it was all just so good. And then we finally get to introducing Kevin Bacon, although he was introduced earlier on the phone with Kira, real life spouse, Kira Sedgwick, uh, with Kevin Bacon. And then he's chilling at home. And uh, I don't know if that's Kevin Bacon's real house or more likely something they booked for. Has uh, to be. I would not let them film at my real house, but <laughs> but uh, regardless, uh, I, I I like the Christmas vibes at the Bacon household, even if it's just this fictional one. And he's just chilling, like happy as can be on the couch, uh, watching Christmas movies, having the time of his life. And then uh, Mantis and Drax show up at his door. And I kind of like how... The response for people in the MCU, like it's not like he's not immediately thrown off by Mantis and Drax, and but at the same time, you you wouldn't be because people know that like people know that aliens and everything else, like these things exist in the MCU. Like that's part of life on Earth now in the MCU, which also points to the different reactions of people who saw the spaceship. Like there was the one woman who started crying because she's terrified, but there's also other people just recording on their phones, like, oh. Here's another cool space thing. But another person who's, like, as I said, terrified because, you know, there have been some really bad times on Earth when people have come down from space. So I just like the range of reactions that we get. But Kevin Bacon seems like a pretty nice guy. All things uh, all things considered, he was like, ah, I can't really help you. Sorry, guys, uh, as they're trying to get in. And then one of the funniest moments on this is as Mantis is just voicing the idea just beginning to articulate the idea that maybe you should throw over the fence before she can as she even finishes the sentence Drax is already throwing her over the fence uh and she is pissed that was just great and then stealing whatever lawn ornaments they really liked whether it's the you know weird little man of the elf or the candy cane that Mantis takes um just this Mantis and Drax duo is uh they just they can't be beat I mean we've had some good duos this year I, I really thought that uh, Madison and Wong were just a lock for duo of the year if we get into MCU fan awards uh, as the year closes out. Mm. But uh, Mantis and Drax, are, are they're, they're making a late push. It's, it's going to be a tight competition. Yeah, no, I, I think this, I love Kevin Bacon. And it's, it's, it's funny because he just doesn't always, he, I don't see him in a lot of stuff. And I don't see as much stuff as I used to anymore. But, I mean, we watched Cop Car with, you know, with, with John Watt. And uh, a while ago, in preparation, when we did Homecoming, I remember being like, he's so good in that movie. He's so good. <laughs> he's he's so amazing. Good. I mean, he's, he's, he's a great he's a great actor. Like, yeah. It's ridiculous how good he is. And also, um, he also in, he's in James Gunn Super, which is a really, really dark movie. Mm-hmm. And he's great in that. And 
And again, which I love because, you know, he did that movie, you know, he talked about doing that movie at cost for James Gunn, you know, and like, so that's like cheap, nothing for movie actors, you know, because, you know, to make the movie budget and everything. And, and that's why it's like, dang, man. And I don't know. It, I, I, Kevin Bacon, I've always respected the guy. Um, you know, we're, we're we'll talk, I, I will just kind of skip ahead a, a tiny second just for a minute when, when he talks about, or when he, when he does this, like a song at the mm-hmm. end. And, and they and they show it and it kind of, to kind of connect it to back to what we're talking about. He has you know, they set up the guitar there to kind of establish like, oh, he yep. plays guitar, you know, <laughs> you know. Which again, it's, it makes sense. But what's what I thought was cool was if you're like me, I'm in my my I'm 40 years old, and if you if you're around my age and you ever watch TV a ton when you're 18, you know, 17, 16 years old, you watch VH1, MTV, whatever. Uh, if you're really into music and Kevin Bacon had a, I want to say it was his, with his, with his brother, but I think it was just mainly him. Um, he had a show called the list, which was on VH one where it was all about music and they would do like top list of like their favorite, like, you know, rock albums, classic rock albums, like any kind of thing they'd have. And they'd have like a, a, a performance, uh, from some, one of the artists they'd have on there. Cause they have all kinds of people on there. They have like actors, musicians and, and, uh, and that was, I think it only lasted one season, but like, you could just tell, Kevin was having a blast hosting that. Like he just, he could just, he was as an element, man. And he's in his band with his brother and he's done music for a while. So music is his thing, which is really cool. And I don't know, like, I, I just thought it was really cool to see him kind of g- get that music part of him out in this, and in, in this, uh, in this series in general. And, this, and I just like him as a person. He just seems like a good dude. Uh, I don't know him at all. Maybe he's a total a-hole, but I doesn't, doesn't appear to me to be like that. And I just, it was cool seeing him in this context um, you know, uh, but I, I do hope we get some kind of future role for Kevin Bacon, in the MCU. That's not just, uh, playing himself. Um, but playing himself was fun too, but I'll yeah, be I shocked love... if he's not in guardians of the galaxy volume three, I will be, there. I mean, All they're right. saying introducing Kevin Bacon, like he's, he's there oh, now okay. he's here. I, I just, right. I will be very, I'm not, I'm not saying like Kevin Bacon is going to be a full blown member of the guardians of the galaxy and is going to be battling the high evolutionary. No, but He's going to be in there somewhere because now he really is part of the journey. And and look, I get it, like especially Peter Quill's fascination with Kevin Bacon as a cinematic hero. Hey, I grew up watching Footloose, too. I get it. So like I I always thought that was a fun reference in Guardians of the Galaxy and to see them pay it off in just the best possible way to have Kevin Bacon play himself or the MCU version of himself. I think it's just, it was so good. And he was great in this. I, I loved everything about it. Like his, his freak outs. Like, of course, when Mantis and Drax come to the door, he's still very, very calm. And I'll give him credit. Cause like at my, at that point for me, I'm already freaked out. Like if they jumped over the gate and they're already at the front door, he's just like, Hey, not cool guys. I'm going to call the cops. And then Drax comes crashing through and the chase is on. Like we're bringing you back as a present uh, was great. But my favorite part about this though was those leaps from Mantis. Like, we talked about angry Mantis, annoyed Mantis, uh, silly Mantis, drunk Mantis. Well, getting, like, scary Mantis as she's chasing after Kevin Bacon and making those little jumps, that was just, I I absolutely loved it. Because I actually liked seeing a a side of the character that was genuinely scary and intimidating to someone. Um, I I thought was cool, because Mantis doesn't really get to be super involved in the action not that she totally is here but uh well in this moment she was right there chasing down kevin bacon and i thought that part was cool but then you know it it escalates when the cops are finally out there and we see what mantis can do 
in a fight. Obviously, there's a much more violent version with uh, with Drax, although the uh, the gunfire just tickles him. But Mantis just putting everybody to sleep, as she is known to do. Um, all of that stuff worked great. So this whole chase sequence of Mantis and, and Drax uh, tracking down Kevin Bacon, um, this was just added to the fun of it. And it was, I mean, genuinely good action beats uh, within also just a, a lot of hilarity. Dude, giraffe getting shot by bullets and laughing and going, oh, I'm going to pee. Like, I lost it. <laughs> I lost it. Like, this is this is the stuff that was missing, I felt, in because, um, again, you, like you said before, Volume two, he's just yelling a lot. And 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 I love Drax yelling because it's funny. Like, and that's why he did it all yeah, the time. But when that's two, all but, you but then when that's all he's doing, then it doesn't work. It, it, you lose the effectiveness of the yell. But when he's when he's you know, you know he, he's like he's saying softly, you told me to throw you, I threw you. And then you know, whatever. And then also you have moments of like him, you know, yelling, going, ah, he's laughing, being tickled by bull, which again, I still I'm like giggling as I'm saying it. And he said, ah, I want to pee. Like I just I was I, I rolled. I rolled today. We're, my, we're making gingerbread houses where with my with my family. Where, and I, I put on volume two in preparation because I'm a good podcaster. Um <laughs> and uh and plus a fit. Um but anyway, I that came on and I'm I'm trying to build my crappy gingerbread house, which I just didn't even work and i still lost it when i heard that i just it's so funny oh my god and then and then when he throws the cop car over yep and and he goes just you're not gonna kill people he goes well how do i know the rules if you don't tell me yep <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like this is the, sean this is the stuff that i yeah. missed it, like this is the stuff that james gunn and dave batista have effing lockdown man i freaking i lost it there too so good yeah well and then mantis like going and checking on the cops and like yeah. uh, giving the, the star map or whatever like like oh yeah this is this makes us even like we're all we're all good now the cops like okay um just i i loved it and then finally they track down kevin bacon it's like hey you can get him to come willingly sort of by putting him in a trance as mantis can do so they do a little christmas shopping now they're back on the ship on the way and much to the disgust of Mantis and Drax, they discover that Kevin Bacon is not, in fact, one of Earth's greatest heroes or Earth's mightiest heroes. He simply is someone who's played mighty heroes on screen. And the disdain that they have for actors, this joke really shouldn't work because anytime they do that sort of meta thing of actors as characters making fun of or displaying their hatred for, act for actors... It doesn't always work because the humor within it is too obvious, so it relies entirely on the delivery, you know, the writing and the delivery, um, even more so, I'd say, on the delivery. And Dave Bautista and Palm Clemente do a fantastic job. Karen Gillan later does a fantastic job with her line later as Nebula talking about actors. But uh, all of that I thought was great. And I like Kevin Bacon he has a really good line where he's like, you know, normally people saying this stuff would piss me off, but for some reason, because of this trance, he just has to go along with it. But when they also try to get him to talk like a real hero and he has the accent at first and then they tell him to drop that and he comes with, I'm Batman, I'm Bruce Wayne. Who's Bruce Wayne? So getting a Batman reference here in the MCU, all of that stuff was, uh, all that stuff was really fun. I mean, we had Superman reference in Eternals, and those, I don't even know if that was, I can't even remember off the top of my head if that was the first one, probably not, but yeah, I, I thought this uh, this piece, again, like I, like I was saying, it's the kind of joke that in a lot of ways just 
has a very high probability of falling flat, and yet it didn't. This whole thing of uh, Drax and Mantis being so disappointed in him. Um, and even later, like when Peter Quill opens the present of Kevin Bacon, Drax has that great line, uh, which I'll, I'll butcher now, just saying like, oh, he doesn't totally, like, and we all like him, he doesn't totally suck. Like Drax just lying and keeping up this, uh, <laughs> keeping up this appearance that this is a great gift, because now they're really worried that they got Peter Quill a, a crappy gift because they just got him an actor. Well, and and I I, agree, I totally agree. And this is again going back to I think the the, the performances were and how James Gunn directed them, it works. And I think that the way they both do it is is perfect. And and like you're right, like it you have the danger of doing that. And I think it's obviously one of those things that you could easily edit out. So it's like, well, if it works, it works. If it doesn't. We'll, we'll cut it. But it it is so perfect to me. And like. I don't know. I I really liked the performance, and it felt to me that it just worked because Drax. Because with Drax, it just makes sense. Like because people who who are phonies, like it's like they are true warriors. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, you just pretend to be one. Ugh. Like with with Manus, it's whatever you, you know. But like Drax having him say it first is like perfect because it makes more sense from him, and you kind of build that off with Mantis. And, and she's great when she and she's funny when she says it, but he's so deliberate. It makes you just accept it. Like, oh yeah, like Jax would say that he hate actors because they're not real, right? So, I don't know. I, I love that aspect. I, I thought, it, like you said, it, you have a danger of, of of really having a joke fall flat. Didn't fall flat at all, and that's pretty. That's all on the performance and director of James Gunn. I don't think anyone else could really do that or, uh, as good a job as they could in that kind of moment. No, they they totally nailed it. And so then. Once we arrive on Nowhere, Peter Quill is there looking sad, and then Drax kind of leads him deeper into Nowhere, and we start seeing all of the crit. Especially Pumpkins. Yeah. Or uh, Billy Corgan. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was like, is this Billy? Wait, I'm like, I'm like what, what are you doing here, James? You got Billy Corgan. Christmas time is here. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, man. Well, also, I mean, we haven't talked a whole lot about Groot yet, but I love Groot rocking out to the old 97s. Oh, that was great. Just, you know, this teenage mode or (laughs) early 20s mode or whatever mode, because we already had adolescent Groot. So wherever he's at right now, I like that he's all jacked and and whatever, which, I mean, that was a design we already saw from the trailers, but him being super into the music. And then uh, he also had a great I am Groot moment. We tried to act like, oh, yeah, I knew this whole thing was a bad idea from the start, even though he's the guy who wheeled in the box that Kevin Bacon was in. Uh, All that was just really good stuff. And, And I also have to tip my cap to the visual effects on this holiday special. I mean, again, I I think it helps that they were sharing, even though, you know, the stuff gets budgeted in its own weird movie accounting way of showing how it's separate stuff. But yeah, using sets that are probably a part of volume three. But one of the things that we've noted that, you know, the CG isn't always movie level uh, when we're talking about the content that is made specifically for Disney plus, but when it came to Groot and Rocket in this, and also the other stuff, I mean, the space travel and everything else, that this was the level of visual effects that we have come to expect from the Guardians of the Galaxy on the big screen. And that includes Rocket and Groot um, in this. I thought they look great. And Steph Zaretti was the visual effects supervisor of the holiday special, just like he was the very first Guardians of the Galaxy movie for which he was nominated. He and his team were nominated for an Oscar. Also did Doctor Strange, the first one, and got nominated for an Oscar for that. So they're bringing in the same team, and they just they totally hit it out of the park with the visual effects. But then also, 
the production design, the set decorating, like all of that was so good. Like nowhere being lit up for Christmas was just plain holiday magic at its finest. Like I loved it. I don't know why. Like I, it had me thinking right away, like, okay, um, they're going to need to do something with Avengers Campus around Mission Breakout to basically build out nowhere. And they're going to have to do that. And it's going to have to be lit up for Christmas. Like I, I need to be immersed in holiday Guardians of the Galaxy because it just looked, uh, it really just looked wonderful. I, I just, I, there's no other way for me to say it. It, it was, it was really joyful. And uh, I, it, I just wanted to, I, I just wanted to be there. I thought it looked fantastic. Yeah, I I, I love all this. I, I was really surprised how good it looked with the, with the Christmas lights and kind of like you said earlier, Sean. I I would be kind of rad if they just left it up the whole time. Like it's kind of oh, it's such a special moment for nowhere. Let's just leave it up. Like that'd be cool if they did something like that. Some um, of those lights probably get left up. Yeah, sure. I, I you, it, it, if it if it mimics anything in the real world, it only makes sense. So uh, yeah, that's all, all, yeah, yeah. We're, <laughs> so, we're all leaving up Christmas lights. So what does it matter? Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it, it's, just, yeah, it's exactly. just par for the course. Exactly. Yo, I, I love all this. A lot looks great. Um, the snow is cool. Even Billy, Cor- even here, uh, hearing Billy Corgan be like Christmas time, <laughs> which I, again I love. I love Smashing Pumpkins, but it was, it was really weird to hear Billy Corgan in this um, thing. So yeah, love all this. Yeah. You're hearing Billy Cor- Corgan. I'm hearing Eric Cartman with what you're doing right now with Christmas time. But uh, <laughs> Fair enough. yeah, it, it looked just it, it looks so good. And then getting back into the story of it all. So, yeah, Peter, his present gets wheeled out. The box is moving and he hears the voice. Someone's running out of air and it's Kevin Bacon. And rather than being delighted by this gift, Peter Quill is horrified that they went and took an actual human being. They gave him a human being as a gift and rocket's line is pretty good here too. And he's like, well, what do you give the guy who's got everything? Give them their own human being. So, uh, which it, I, I get the logic to an extent for somebody like rocket, sure. but, uh, I, I thought that part was good, but then also him, Peter Quill immediately recognizing that like, okay, why is Kevin Bacon so cool with this? You put him in a trance, take it out, you know, stop it. And then Kevin Bacon, of course, freaks out and the whole, like, don't run. And he takes off. Um, and Nebula taking off after him, like, you can't get away from me, Bacon, or whatever the hell she says uh, was so funny because Nebula didn't get a lot in this, but she she made it count in uh, in the moments that she had. But yeah, this uh, this whole piece to it, which is just kind of, you know, everything has to go wrong here, right? And uh, Peter Quill was under no illusions about the whole idea of Kevin Bacon as an actor. But what I liked about it is even though there's a couple scenes here that are there. There's a scene here that's really great that I like between Craglin, Sean Gunn, and Kevin Bacon because Mantis and Drax don't understand. They thought that Peter Quill thought Kevin Bacon was an actual hero, but no, he was old enough to know when he left Earth that Kevin Bacon was an actor playing characters, and they're kind of dismissive of that. And even Kevin Bacon, like, well, that wasn't me. That was just a character I played. So even he was a little dismissive of it. So when Craglin gets to kind of give the speech of like. This is what you know. Peter saw. This is what he saw in in the stories that you told, and this is how much it moved him, how much it meant to him, and this is why, playing a character or not, you really were one of his heroes. That I, I like that stuff. I mean, I, I know you could just say it's uh, it's the medium complimenting itself on how it can be inspiring and how fictional characters can be heroes to those of us in the audience. But hey, it's worth calling out because it does happen and it's a lot of fun when it happens. And certainly we devote a, we devote a lot of our time to it. 
So uh, I liked that scene, and and it worked, right? Because it inspired Kevin Bacon to come back so we could have uh, some song and dance. No, yeah, I, I totally think that too. And I, I did like that. And I'm not a Craglin person. I love, I like Sean Young. It's not a fan of the Craglin's direction with After Volume 2. That's a whole different podcast. But I, it was nice to see Craglin in this element. And it definitely is helping ease myself back into like him coming to be more prominent again. Mm-hmm. So that this was nice to see a less. Because maybe everything, a lot of things, and I don't want to get into, we'll wait till do a, a different show for this, but I, I, I'll just say this. Craglin was, seemed more toned down in this as well for me. And it was nice to see a different aspect. Because I think, and again, I think the animation at the beginning, beginning with him helped to be everything, including him. And I did, I just don't like that the, he's like the new Yondu with a fin on. I just don't, I do not like that. I just well, can't. Get behind it. It's okay for me for now because he totally just isn't the new Yondu. I I think he wears that fin and he has the arrow because even he acknowledges it's not really working out so great. Like, it's there because of his own connection and his own bond with Yondu. Like, Yondu was a father to Peter Quill, but also to Kraglin. And so I I think it's really more of that connection. It's emotional for Kraglin as opposed to, like, he really is as powerful now as Yondu. I don't think anybody really buys that. That said, in Volume 3, I totally think he's going to get a moment where he actually does master that arrow, but I think for the most part that'll be short-lived because there will be a lot more focus on the other characters, but I like Sean Gunn. I've enjoyed Kraglin as a character in the first two uh, volumes of Guardians of the Galaxy as well as this. I I think he's been a lot of fun, but also, yeah, tonally very different on this. He was he really wasn't leaning into the silliness of everything. He was talking about the genuine emotion of how much Peter cares about Christmas and how that, you know, how that impacts him and how that might help Peter Quill at this particular moment in time. And then also in a very genuine moment with Kevin Bacon of here's here's what you really meant to Peter and here's why he feels the way about you that he does. And so uh, that stuff I just, I loved. And, and obviously for Sean Gunn, I mean, we were talking about MCU history, not just as Craglin, but he's been the onset rocket the entire time. Yes, Bradley Cooper does the voice uh, and again does so here. And he is fantastic at that. But Sean Gunn is the guy putting on the green leotard, the bright green leotard and be living as rocket on set. And so his contributions to the MCU are, are, are so incredibly significant. And I like that he gets moments like this as Craglin uh, to be able to do it in a, in a way that the audience actually gets to see because they don't totally see the end result of his work as Rocket, um, but a little harder to see the the process that goes into it, unless you watch, you know, some of the behind the scenes stuff. And if, inevitably, there will be a Marvel Studios assembled for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and that will, maybe will devote even more time to what Sean Gunn has been doing uh, as the onset Rocket in the MCU. But as I said, Kevin Bacon is back. So are the old 97s. It's time. To, it's Here It Is Christmas Time, a song that uh, Kevin Bacon really performed. That's his voice. So then, but and it was written by, uh, I think I think James Gunn might have a writing credit on this one as well, but I know certainly the guys uh, from the old 97s have writing credits on this song. And I, I like this. It was, it was funny. I had a friend of mine text me saying, oh, I, I really liked it, but what was with all the singing? And I was like, it's a Christmas special, Mr. Scrooge. Like, how could there not be singing? There has to be singing in a Christmas special. And I like both of the songs in this holiday special. And uh, I had, 
I may be a little more partial to the first one just because of how much it cracked me up, but I enjoyed this one, and there's a lot of cool stuff that's happening visually, like Nebula dancing is amazing. Uh, the gifts that everybody is, I mean, Karen Gillan dancing as Nebula is just, that's unbelievable. She is so good, and that was so hilarious, but the gifts, right? Peter Quill giving Groot a Game Boy, which is probably the main gift that Peter Quill would have hoped for, and then also... Uh, in Avengers Infinity War, there was a time when Rocket said, how much for the arm? Oh, I'm getting that arm. Well, he didn't have to spend any money on that arm from Bucky because Nebula got it for him. How she acquired it, I don't know, probably with force, but she got that arm from Bucky. So maybe Bucky's going to have a new arm in Thunderbolts. Is, is that what that's setting up for another status quo shift? I don't know. He always has a new arm, so it's not that big a deal. But uh, I thought that was really funny for that arm to be in. And also that the bond between Nebula and Rocket, I I wanted that to be even bigger in Endgame because those were the two characters who were left, who were not blipped in Avengers Infinity War. And we did get some moments that kind of pointed to uh, a more significant bond between those characters, but they couldn't fully explore it in Endgame. And I would love to see them do that even more in Volume 3, and maybe this is James Gunn's way of hinting that that is something that's going to happen because we get this one-on-one moment with Nebula giving Rocket uh, the greatest gift of all with uh, with Bucky's arm. And then, I mean, I love the, the gifts, the little dioramic clay models or whatever that Groot gives everybody, and I love that Craglins is the one that's uh, of him receiving his gift, that's of him receiving his gift, that's of him receiving his gift, that was amazing, and I'm for Sean Gunn laughing at it, I mean, it's it's Craglin in character laughing at it, but if I were Sean Gunn, I would have just been genuinely laughing at it and just been like, use that, because that's the only reaction uh, that I could possibly have to all of that. Um, but then, of course, when it's the pleasant, fair, the, the pleasant farewells and everything for Kevin Bacon, and as he's walking away, Nebula saying, I guess not all actors are complete pieces of shit, was amazing. Just, again, it, great delivery. Yeah, as, yeah, and again, uh, it's a joke that you know, can be so overplayed and, and just so obvious that it doesn't work, but the delivery makes it so, and, and the line as well. Like, it's just so blunt and, and rude, and her delivery of it is great. Um, but it's like the most backhanded compliment. Like, it's a rude, blunt delivery, but she actually is trying to say a nice thing about Kevin Bacon, so between the song, the Christmas gifts, all of this stuff before we get into that last conversation between uh, Mantis and, and Peter Quill, the, as this kind of, you know, the, the culmination of all of this holiday cheer uh, that we're getting in, in this sequence, I loved it. Yeah, I, I love all this stuff too. The 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 rocket arm, I kind of, I saw it for a second and I go, wait a minute, is that, yeah, that's, that's that, where the soldiers are. That's the one. That's the one. I'm like. That's amazing. <laughs> so again, great, great callbacks. Lots of great callbacks in this. Yeah, it, it all just it, it all just completely worked, and and that's what I love about it. Though is it's like it's twisted. Like you're handing somebody an arm. Here's these crazy looking clay models, but like the sentiment behind those gifts is so genuine and and so just so real between those characters, and the actors sell it as such that it, it all still comes across like it's twisted, irreverent, and hilarious, but it's also simultaneously very, very sweet um, that uh, that just elevates the whole thing. And then we get this conversation between Mantis and Peter Quill, and she spells it out for him, and he's able to piece it together. That So that makes you my sister. 
And she nods, and Peter Quill says, that's the greatest gift of all. And they hug as brother and sister, and that is what leads us to, uh, well, not quite the end, because as Mantis is also, as Peter Quill explains to Mantis, that wasn't the whole story with what uh, Craglin explained earlier. So we see where the troll collection started for Yondu, or maybe that wasn't where it started. I mean, Peter Quill must have known he liked those things, or... I don't know. I, I'm I'm leaning towards that's where it started because there's nothing else on Yondu's console at the time. His little troll collection, his little trinkets. Maybe Peter Quill really was the one who started that fascination and that collection for Yondu and why it meant so much to Yondu is because it was a gift that he got from his son, Peter Quill. I'm going to go with that interpretation unless James Gunn says otherwise because it's just the sweetest and, and most emotional version of that. And uh, so I love that. But then also... Peter's gift are, uh, you know, his blasters that we've seen him use in, in the MCU. Not quite element guns in the way that we've seen him uh, in the comic books, but uh, except for that, that one time when, because of the reality stone at Thanos, they actually did blow bubbles. But um, I think uh, that resolution to it, that emotional moment, be, and the moment of them listening to the music and looking out into space, like Yondu and Peter Quill, that was so sweet and emotional and touching, but then... This uh, moment between Mantis and Peter Quill as brother and sister and the embrace between the two of them as we're in this beautiful, lit up, holiday cheer, nowhere set uh, for our finale. And, and yeah, showing what happened there with, uh, you know, on the ship to the the Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all uh, as our conclusion to this. It was just uh, it was just wonderful. It, it really just was holiday joy. And I I love it. I'm like ready to go watch it again. Yeah, I, it the the really cool thing that I wasn't anticipating was the callback to the animation in the first part, mm-hmm. and being spoiled with the whole Mantis, you know, um, Peter Quill thing. I was like, ah, kind of a little bit of a bummer, but I didn't know about this, and it made I love what Craglin sets that, or uh, or uh, Peter sets that up and says, well, he didn't know the whole story because he knew he kind of knew Yondu's he knew Yondu's kind of personality, obviously what he can get away with. And especially in the first, in that first movie, you know, you get to they all criticize Yondu for being too soft on him. Peter knows that's why he goes off on his own all the time, you know, cause he can get away with it. Um, and, um, but the thing is, I love that. I, it felt, it meant so much to me when he goes back cause he goes back and takes out of the garbage. It's, it's, you know, and that to me, it just shows how much he is. He struggles, obviously, as showing his love, but just showing, you know, and pulling and getting that trinket out of the of there. That to me was I, I, I'm with you, Sean. I think that totally was where he got the whole trinket thing and, and where that started, because when and when he got that, and he kind of laughed. And then I got to which I loved. I that was really touching to me. But when he got the guns. And that's how he got that w- was like, whoa, I love that because you're establishing, you know, Peter and the, and these, these things that he are a part of him, right. That he's never going to part with. And we, you know, we assume that he's had him forever. We don't know where he got him, but we assume that they are a big part and he's comfortable with them. And now we find out it's all because of Yondu. Like it's, and we, we could, you could probably piece together yourself, but to see the, the background of how that comes to be, it just was so it, it was you didn't need it, but I'm so glad we got it. Right. Yeah. And, I, and that's the thing about this connectivity of the MCU. It's not just fun for like inter, interchangeable films like or inter, interconnected films and, and whatever. 
it's great for connected beat moments like this and you can come back to and it's just i love it man it, this was a really good callback and i'm really glad we got it and i love seeing the origin for the for the blasters that he got in there from yondu because yondu because obviously you know because again you established right there like yondu cares about him so much that like he still gave him like this thing that maybe Pete wasn't anticipating getting right. anytime soon. So it, again, great character development without, you know, and callbacks to something that you didn't need, but I'm so glad we have. Right. And it's also true to the relationship because even though it's, it is very sweet, it doesn't mm -hmm. go to the point where it undermines what happened in volume two, where there still is some strain because there's a lot that needs to be said between these guys that isn't said. And so, and it, and it's not here, right? Like Yandu, as you said, he gets the gift out of the trash. So he's not seen wanting the gift and, or being affected by the gift. He leaves a gift behind for Peter. So he doesn't actually have to present Peter with that present. And they do have this sweet moment, but it is unspoken, right? It's just acknowledging their appreciation for each other and their love for each other, but not really going all the way with that. Like, let's just smile at each other as a, you know, express our gratitude for the gifts we gave each other, turn up the music and, you know, have this nice moment. So, and it is very, very nice and very, very sweet, but it doesn't go so far that like you still see kind of the, the, it, it leaves room for the strain that's still going to be there in the relationship to where that finally gets uh, resolved at the very end of that relationship in Guardians of the Galaxy, volume two but it was just it was so heartfelt and beautiful as so much of this holiday special was and and i like what they did for the post credit scene very simple of cosmo and rocket trying to decorate and use groot as a christmas tree because obviously why not and then groot can't hold his arms up and then they now rocket is saying they're gonna have to have another special and I hope they do. I mean, I know there's a lot of practical realities of why that may not happen because of James Gunn's new job over at uh, over at DC Studios. But man, if he can't occasionally swing by for a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, or if by some miracle they've been able to keep secret, not even that much of a miracle, really, I would love to find out that they already filmed another holiday special for next year while they were making Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 or perhaps during some additional photography for Guardians of the Galaxy volume three but that may just be wish that probably is just wishful thinking on my part i would love to see another holiday special from the guardians and james gunn but for this one that they gave us here and now i'll have no problem at all just appreciating this one for as wonderful as it is and look our we may be getting to the end here most likely with james gunn now i mean it's after this it's guardians of the galaxy volume three and then it's harder to see where he's going to have time or space to do things for Marvel Studios given his new job and what I like about knowing that in advance is it gives us a time to know that uh, it is limited and we are nearing the the end of an era at least as it pertains to James Gunn and his version of the Guardians in the MCU and a lot of the focus is obviously on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is that conclusion but what a nice piece of the story this is with this holiday special and I, I think it does more than I a lot of people, certainly more than I would have expected to in terms of updates to the status quo of the Guardians of the Galaxy being right here, a part of this. Now, is it stuff that you can't, is it stuff that the audience who watches the movie has to have seen this holiday special in order to get it? No, they'll get whatever recap they need to within the story, within the dialogue. But 
if you have seen it, uh, then those moments will mean more and the relationships will mean more because of the experience that we have uh, in this very, very beautiful, very funny story with the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. As I said, I loved it every bit as much as I thought it as I thought it, I would and then some because it was everything I hoped it would be and, and so much more in so many unexpected ways. And uh, I, I really just could not be happier with it. Yeah, I'm really impressed with this uh, this whole special, and I I, I just want to see more special presentations. I think they've been they're two for two. It just fit to me better than a lot of series could, maybe could. Um, but yeah, I I think this is really uh, to me it gives me a lot of confidence for volume three. I was a little bit nervous about where after volume two where it was going to go, and after this, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for volume three. It got me really excited for it again, and. And there's lots of cosmic craziness going to happen in that. And I can't wait. But it, it was cool to get some character moments in this yeah. um, by itself. And I'm, I'm glad we're going to get that. And I'm excited to see, you know, Volume 3 now more than ever. And, I yeah, I can't believe how how fun this was. And I just I want more of stuff like this in the MCU. I think in general, it's, it's just nice to have. And, yeah, cause it, it, it does fit. This is what's so cool about this is. This fits in. You could watch this at any time. It's not to me tied so much into anything. You could it, it, you could watch it any Christmas without being into the MCU at all. It's just it's a really fun Christmas story um, that I like. And, and again, music. You hit the. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's Christmas. Got to be musical. So yeah, I, re, I I'm really glad they did it. I think it's perfect. The animation thought was a nice touch. Nice callback to the you know the original Star Wars holiday special. And again building up character, explaining things, and you didn't yep. have to, but I'm glad we did. I'm glad we did, and I, I think we're the better for it just for having this special, but Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is going to be even better because we've got this, and I am just going to continue to spend the next several months preparing myself to laugh my ass off and cry my eyes out watching Guardians of the yeah. Galaxy Volume 3 next May. But that is it for this spoiler review of the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Don't forget to check out Fanshow Plus over at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, or if you search for Fanshow Plus or the MCU Fanshow channel on Apple Podcasts, and then remember to follow us on Twitter. It's still there, and Instagram at MCU Fanshow. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Please follow the Comic Binge YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe there. I really appreciate it. Lots of, We just recently did a Wakanda Forever review slash you know, required reading for uh, comic books to read after you watch the movie. A lot of fun there. And uh, yeah, the saga continues to celebrate 10 years. I kind of joined kind of a little over halfway, but our, my Star Wars podcast has celebrated 10 years. Super awesome. Tim and Kyle, congratulations. And I'm glad to be a part of it. And uh, we have a big and or uh, so, um, breakdown next week. So look out for that. Yeah, congratulations to Tim and Kyle on 10 years with the saga continues. That's a big deal in podcasting because yeah. yeah. most podcasts actually don't survive three months. Somehow we've done some, a little bit longer than that, but 10 years yeah. <laughs> is uh, is a pretty incredible run. So congrats to you guys. And also thank you to everybody who's been an audience for them and, and kept them going. And for all of you listening yes. to us and keeping us going, really do appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.